Welcome back to the podcast, friends. I have a very fun interview for you guys today. I got to talk to Sandra McCracken. She is a prolific songwriter, a modern day hymn writer, a record producer. Y'all, this is crazy. She wrote a song that was used on Grey's Anatomy. How cool is that? But she also has a new book coming out that is called Send Out Your Light. It was so good. We had such a good conversation about what that looks like in Psalm 43, which is what kind of inspired the book and just so many good, good things. And I know that you guys are going to love this conversation. So here is my conversation with Sandra. Sandra, welcome to the podcast. It's such a treat to have you today. Thanks so much, Caitlin. It's good to be here with you. I'm so excited to get to chat with you. You have such a cool, I feel like story slash job slash just interesting life. But (laughs) to get us started, will you just kind of introduce yourself for those that don't know you yet? Yeah, I am originally from Missouri and a singer songwriter now living in Nashville, Tennessee. I have three kids and my husband works in church music and we are kind of embedded in the community here in Nashville, but I do still, I mean, other than the last 18 months, I do still travel with, with my work and and am able to really just, I love that part of the job, but my main kind of bread and butter is just really songwriting. Uh, I saw on your bio, I did not know this about you, that you wrote a song for Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. So one of the songs I wrote was was used in in like a five minute section of that one of the episodes. This was probably I don't know if it was like season two or three, but it was pretty fun. That was like that to me, the idea of writing a song and then having it take a new form when it's in the context of some, some other story is really, is really fun. I'd really love that part of folk music. So let me ask you this. Did you watch Grey's Anatomy before you had the song on there? Well, I did. Yeah. I, have, I had a good friend that did some writing for the show. And that kind of got me hooked on it because just because of that personal relationship and then was enjoying the show a lot. And then that song made it even, that was even cooler. I was like, oh man, this is like such a collision of worlds (laughs) because I don't really spend any time in Hollywood or anything like that. So it was, it was like a fun intersection. Yeah, that's so fun. Okay. So we've been talking about music so far, but today we're going to be talking about your new book. (laughs) Yes. So tell me. You went from being a songwriter, which you still are, but now you have a book. So I'm curious, what what made you say, I'm going to write a book now instead of songs for a while? Yeah, thank you. I think as you maybe already have gathered, I'm a little bit shy about it because I have, gosh, a high view of writing and authors and I love literature. And I... I think for a long time I've while I've enjoyed I'm I'm an avid reader I also didn't really consider myself to be a writer. So that would be the opposite of your question. That's probably what kept me away from it and then it just kind of kept coming up and I enjoyed writing more and more. I started writing a column for Christianity Today and that has gotten me into more of a rhythm over the last four or five years of just writing. And so then when this idea came up of maybe writing a longer form book, I was I was kind of shy about it at first. And man, I'm so glad I did it because even though it was really a struggle to learn a new skill and it was kind of, there's a lot of self-doubt along the way. I think when I got toward the end of the writing process, I started really feeling the joy of it. And so it was really worth like taking the risk, even <laughs> even if it was a new experience after years of songwriting. Oh, and that's my son, Sam. He is <laughs> He is hanging out right next to me. So if you hear him, he's home today with me watching Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> 
Well, that is all right. So, okay. Well, let me ask you this. So I know it was true for myself and I know I have a lot of other author friends who have said the same thing about the process of writing a book, you know, cause we know it's a very long mm-hmm. process. I mean, from mm-hmm. start to finish, it is years that one day you'll be writing and you'll be like, this book is incredible. It is the best thing I've ever done. I'm so proud. And then the next day you're like, this is trash. I'm throwing it all away. (laughs) Was that true for you too? Oh my gosh. Yes. It's still true. (laughs) And it's finished. And there's this sense of, I think because, so I will say if you, if you were choosing, if you're out there choosing between songwriting and book writing, songwriting is way, way more accessible because it's not like burying your soul in long form, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is, it's, it kind of holds some mystery. And I think I've been able to really enjoy that about songwriting over the years, but book writing is just inherently vulnerable and you put something there in print and then it just stays there and it doesn't leave. So if you want to yeah. change it, you're you're not going to have that option. But I had a great team. They were so encouraging along the way to mirror back to me that the self-doubt, anytime you're doing something new, the self-doubt is normal. And especially mm-hmm. with something that just feels kind of big and it just takes longer. Like you're saying, this process takes a couple of years. I, I got a, another friend, uh, Bob Goff, who's a great author and encourager, but he always says like, everybody has a book in them. And I think he's right. I yes. think there's a sense uh-huh. that we all could put something forward about what we've seen and just bear witness. Absolutely. I love Bob Goff. He is just the sweetest. (laughs) He is. He's always like such a cheerleader. He is. And, you know, talking about, you know, being so vulnerable in a book and then like you write it and then once it's out there and released and people are actually reading it. And then I kind of had these moments. I don't know if you (laughs) will or have to, but then it's like, I forgot I wrote about that. I cannot Uh believe I put that in that book. It's kind of like, oh, wow, that that really is out there. There's no taking it back. Yeah, I I will say that's that was part of the learning process for me is sometimes. Well, the only kind of writing I've done other than songwriting would be journaling. And in journaling, you're not filtering anything for anybody. Mm -hmm. You're not imagining anyone's ever going to read what you write (laughs) or maybe hoping they won't. Right. Right. And then you transfer that to something that is meant to share. And I found that in the process, I did much more editing, pairing back and deleting than I did even adding. Right. And that mm-hmm. was a great learning experience because I think we're in a culture where there's a lot of oversharing. I think it's, I think it's commendable to continue to say, okay, it's okay to filter ourselves and to share what we feel like would be fruitful and then to leave some other things for a private conversation. Absolutely. So would you say that book writing was harder than songwriting or were they, are they just both hard in their own respects? You know, I would probably say that they're, they're the same creative muscle. So they're kind of the same exercise, but just applied to a different form. So that, I I mean, and, and that's not exactly answering your question, but it is something that surprised me about the process. But songwriting is definitely quicker. You know, you get, it's mm-hmm. three minutes and then you're, you're crafting something that's more of like, just like a slice or a snapshot of your experience or your reality. Yeah. I can definitely see that. I've, I've never written a song, but you know, I can see how they, they both take a lot of patience, I'm sure. And mm-hmm. <laughs> creativity, you know, so, okay. Tell me about your new book that you have coming out. What prompted you to say, okay, I'm going to write a book and this is this is the book I'm going to write. So I wrote Send Out Your Light based on Psalm 43. And I have loved the Psalms for a long time, but this Psalm in particular has kind of followed me around. And I feel like it just kept coming up and it felt like 
an invitation and it's a short Psalm. I think it's only about eight verses, but the first part of the Psalm is a complaint. And the second part of the Psalm is like a, is basically a, an affirmation of God being good and trustworthy. And right in the middle, there's this line that says, send out your light and your truth and let them lead me. And I feel like I'm somewhere in that Psalm just about any given day, right? I'm either moving from complaint into this like call for God to send his light in front of me and then moving through that call into whatever he's calling me into, which is like, it it even has this part about, then I will go with my, it says with a lyre, like, so a guitar, like an instrument, then I will go and sing. And I feel like for me, that's just been the call of my life. And so this Psalm has really been the frame by which I've told some of my story and my creative process and, and songwriting and how scripture has been so much a part of all of it. I love that. Okay. So tell me, who is the book for? Is it just for people who want to be songwriters or, or authors, or is it for all of us? I really intended and hope that it's inviting for anybody. So I, I think everybody's creative. Everyone has this like heartbeat of God because he's made us to be like him and he is a creator. So every day there's this, what is really happening is God is creating order out of chaos. And so we wake up in the morning and you're like, what are we going to cultivate? What is today going to be about? And so my hope is that these little stories about songwriting and the creative process in my own experience would be resonant no matter what your vocation is, that you would feel just this hopeful invitation to realize that God's presence goes with us in our work and in our family and in our struggles and in sometimes like really hard situations that we go through. But in all of that, that we find God is putting a new song in our hearts, even if you're not a singer. Mm. Because you you also wrote a song that was titled Send Out Your Light, right? Yes. And that's also based on the, the same text from Psalm 43. Okay. So is the book just expanding on the song or is it, I guess, do they go hand in hand? <laughs> you know, the song was written in, let's see, 2000, probably early 2014. Okay. And so there was some time in there, but you know, like the Psalms don't really get old. They just keep tumbling around within us. And new things will emerge as God's kind of brings them to life. So the book wasn't exactly correlated with that title, but that does seem like that's been a theme. And when I was looking for, how do I tell my story? What it, what's the backbone of my story? This really felt like that Psalm was uh, the way by which I could like hold all these other stories and, and put them forward in a cohesive way. Okay. I love that. Hey friends, just taking a short break to tell you about Beauty Counter. I have to tell you guys that for years, I would not do Instagram stories without a filter. And I was just so self-conscious about my skin and the breakouts and the cystic acne that just would not go away. And I was just personally really insecure about my skin. But I have been using Beauty Counter for about a year now, and I stopped using Instagram filters, and I started getting so many questions on what I use for skincare. Hashtag beauty blogger. (laughs) Beauty Counter has set the highest bar for safety in the beauty industry, and that starts with a list of 1,800 questionable ingredients that they never use in their formulations. I've been seeing a functional medicine doctor, and we've talked a lot about the importance of not just what we put into our bodies, but what we put on our bodies. And I love that I could feel 100% confident in the standard of ingredients that Beauty Counter uses. They never want to sacrifice product performance in the name of safety, and that is what makes Beauty Counter different. The beauty industry also seems to agree because they have been awarded a ton of awards for their products. And Beauty Counter is confident that you'll love everything you purchase from them. However, if you aren't satisfied with a product for any reason, just return the unused portion within 60 days from the ship date for a refund. 
If you want to give Beauty Counter a try, then just go to the link below in the show notes and use the code CLEANFORALL for 20% off your first order. Personally, I am obsessed with the resurfacing peel, the vitamin C serum, and the clear pore cleanser. Those are my three absolute favorite products. Again, to get 20% off your first order, go to the link in the show notes and enter the code clean for all at checkout. And now back to our conversation. Okay. So in talking about, there's a line that the dark night of the soul. Mm-hmm. And I read a statistic. Oh, what was it? Let me see here. Okay. So there was a nationwide survey done in 2020 that said the decline in people's mental health obviously led a lot of people to a dark place. And it said the statistic was more than 40% of people reported having symptoms of depression and anxiety in January of 2021. So Tell me when we are talking about send out your light in, in the dark night of the soul, how does this provide us with some encouragement? Mm. The timing of all this, even the writing was providential and surprising to me. It wasn't intentional, but I signed on to do this book to say, I said yes to this project in October of 2019, where, so I'd been ruminating on the ideas and what I might write about but it was before the pandemic and we didn't really know what was coming. And then I think we've had this shared experience, globally shared experience that no one was really anticipating or ready for. And no one has really known how to, I don't think we even know the effects of it yet, you know, Mm -hmm. but there will be like a before and after where it's like, so many people, I don't know if, if you're this way, but there's so many friends of mine that have moved or changed jobs, like massive transition has happened for people in this year. Mm-hmm. Some of it's because of directly related to kind of forced into circumstances and others, for other people, it's just been my friend, Ellen Davis, who's like a Hebrew scholar. She talks about, this has been like the great pause, right? So for some mm-hmm. of us, even if we haven't directly suffered or have not had COVID, there's also just this tremendous disruption in what's normal for us. And I think that that creates an opportunity. Like, I don't think, I mean, I guess I would say that that's when God is doing in the darkness, God is creating something new. He's making order out of chaos. He's not, he doesn't shrink back from the darkness and he's not surprised by it. And it's not even dark to him because he is so radiant with his own light. And so I think that's sort of abstract, but I would say it does speak directly to all the individuals who have struggled to get out of bed in the morning, right? In in this year. And we're trying to figure out what's the new normal and how we frame that and how we hear God's voice in the middle of that really can be the difference between staying in bed and kind of uh, ruminating on that or moving forward toward a new call towards something that God may be doing that we don't quite see yet in full. Yeah. It's, I also feel like it has been so amazing to me to see how many books are being released Mm. that God planted in people's hearts before the pandemic hit, but that were written for this time or, you know, that, that were written in such a way that it's like, this was so needed right now. But Mm. even before we knew what was coming, God was already preparing hearts and, and planting seeds in people that would encourage people Mm. through this. And I just, I don't know. That's been so cool to see because I've, there's been a lot of books come out that it's like, huh. And you wrote that before the pandemic came, like what in Mm -hmm. the world? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, okay. Tell me this. So in talking about this, I, 
I've heard from people before that struggle, especially lately with feeling like when they're walking through something or if they feel like they're in the darkness, either feeling like they can't feel God or just feeling like like the darkness totally defines who they are. What would you say to them? I think that the presence of God is really, you know, it's not something that we have control over. I remember a couple of years ago doing some songwriting with my friend Leslie and we we were both in seasons of transition. This was like, she was adopting a little boy and I was about to get married. And there was just like these, you know, it felt like you were in liminal space. And mm-hmm. we were meditating on a couple of different things that day when we were writing, but one of them was just this image of God bringing uh, life out of the Valley of Dry Bones, which is this Old Testament, kind of a crazy uh, mm-hmm. mystical passage, but where he calls to life something that seems like it's not alive. And I think that juxtaposition of like God doing something dramatic, but it looks like a desert with dead things, right? <laughs> I think mm-hmm. when we kind of sit in that and recognize that that it's okay, that it doesn't, maybe it doesn't feel lush right now, it doesn't mean that God's not with us. And so we, the song we wrote that day was called You Are With Me. And that's been, that was kind of like you were just talking about with books. I think there've been some songs that really surprised me that carried through this last 18 months or two years. And they were written before that, but ended up being kind of anthems of God's presence that maybe we need to just keep singing those refrains when we don't feel like it's true. And that trust that our feelings will catch up to what's actually true, which is he is always with us, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's, but it's such a great question to ask because I think we just numb out sometimes because we don't want to just, what if he's not there? And we don't even want to know. We don't even want to ask that question because what if he's not? And Uh I would say, just keep asking because he is. And even if you don't feel it, and then he will respond to those questions in a very tender way. I just, I think he's ready to do that for us, even in the dark times. Yeah. I feel like this topic has been getting brought up so much, especially in all my conversations lately on podcast interviews about when you don't feel God. And Mm -hmm. I don't even remember which guest said it first, but we've had this conversation a lot. And somebody said, how blessed we are that our feelings and our emotions do not change who God is. That's right. Maybe we do feel like he's not there. Maybe we feel like he's mad at us. Maybe we have all these things, but that doesn't change God's truth. And I'm just, that always just, I'm like, man, thank (laughs) God for that. Because if my emotions and my feelings dictated who God was, we'd Mm -hmm. all be in trouble. (laughs) Yeah. And, and sometimes we really need, that's one of the features of this year too, is just the, the sense of isolation from one another. And we are made to be, we're made to hear this from each other because we forget and we, we could say it and I can hear it when you say it sometimes more clearly than if I'm saying it. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. it's like, we really need to be together in one way or another. Like, even if that's it, during these times when there's like social distancing and there's more restrictions around our gathering, it's been a time when I think I realized more than ever, we need to hear and, and somehow stay in community with one another so that we can be reminded. Yeah. Okay. So you wrote this book and you, you broke it down into three parts. Do you want to kind of touch on what those, those three parts are of how you structured it? Yeah. So it's, framed around three sections. The first one is just this call that God has put, he's put his light in each of us. He has gifted us uniquely that we are 
Psalm 139 says like, we are fearfully and wonderfully made like this description where it says like the psalmist is saying, you know, when I sit and when I rise, you know, a word before I even speak it. And I think the first part of the book is really meant to be my own testimony of that, like bearing witness to how I've experienced God's call on, on me and, and how to know the sound of my own voice and what I'm called to do. And then the middle section of the book is really the time when who we are is tested, like the darkness kind of pushes in and that identity that was formed in the early years or that was formed in our the beginning of our faith relationship with God then begins to be called into question. And we find that in that time, there's so much growth, but sometimes it feels like discomfort and we don't know if we're growing or if we're dying, you know? And mm, yeah, and I think, I think just giving some space to say like, hey, it's okay to lament. It is okay to praise even when you're in pain. It's okay to be in silence. It's okay to just lean on some of these old practices that would help orient us when we feel like we're in the wilderness. And then the third section of the book is really the hopefully it's like the hurling toward the future section. It's like, let's talk about a vision of hope that God has a future and a plan. And it is as personal as the first section was like, he has a, he has a plan for where we're headed. So anything that still feels broken is not over yet. And if it's not okay, it's not the end. And so the third section is really meant to be stirring our imagination to trust and believe that there is a day coming when all of the broken things will be restored and will be brought into into the fullness of what they were intended to be. I love it. Okay, so tell me, what's the biggest thing that you hope someone who reads this book will walk away with? Well, I I think it reads for better or worse. I think this book really reads like a conversation, like it it feels I don't know if this was exactly intentional, but I've seen that this book really feels like a conversation sitting across the table with someone. And maybe that was my intent in some ways, like imagining people in my family or friends or community that I have been able to connect with. I would hope that you'd feel some sense of friendship and knowing that you're not alone in it and that you can not, even if I'm not there across the table, that God's spirit is moving in his own scripture to make to just press into the way we would be convinced and comforted to know that we're not alone. Mm, Perfect. Well, I cannot wait for people to get their hands on this book. So lastly, would you tell everyone where they can find it and how can they connect and follow you on social media? Yes. Easiest thing would be sandramccracken.com. And there are links to all the different resources there. I'm on all the socials as well. Like not all of them, I guess. (laughs) But Instagram, (laughs) Facebook, and Twitter. um, But mainly, I think there's a link on all those different, to get to all those different places from sandramccracken.com. Okay. Well, is there anything that we didn't get to talk about that you wanted to say? No, this was great, Caitlin. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for coming on. 